This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, hello. Welcome to the world's best construction podcast. It is great to have you with us. I am Fred Mills. I'm the founder, face, voice, and very tired uh, leader of the B1M, which is the world's largest, most subscribed to video platform for construction. Right now, I'm joined by the usual lineup, guys. Liam Marsh, the B1M's chief revenue officer. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, good, mate. I'm good. Good. Still, still here in London. Still ticking over. Good, good to have you here. And also uh, Luke Bly, one of our creative producers in charge of podcasting. How are you doing, Luke? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm not too bad, Fred. Not too bad. Went to Ikea on the weekend and cooked curry, you know, and it was a big enough curry that I did on the Friday and then Ooh. reheated it last night, you know, Ooh. so efficient. Yeah. So, the glamour, the glamour, Luke. Yeah, the glamour. <laughs> it's been an exciting <laughs> weekend, mate. I mean, listen, I'm buying a house. I, I've realised that I can't just go gallivanting to the pub every weekend like Liam, you know. There's <laughs> always time. I can't do that. There's always time for the pub, mate. You've got a budget, true. right? True, true, true. How are you, Fred? You're right, mate. I, I've heard you've had a bit of a crazy week. Is that right? Mate, I am physically and emotionally broken, if I'm being honest. The last five days have been absolutely insane. The B1M's always been intense. My working life, for anyone that knows me, has always been quite intense. I've thrown myself into stuff. But the last five days was uh, was too much. So had a very, very busy Monday, Tuesday uh, with the B1M last week in London. Then flew to New York on Wednesday. I was speaking at YouTube's Educon event in New York on Thursday, which was fantastic. Wow. Um, yeah, really good events and fantastic graces there. Some really cool stuff learned. Neil deGrasse Tyson was there, one of the speakers. Absolute legend of a bloke. Um, absolutely smashed it. So it was really good to talk to him. Um, yeah, it got obviously Educon got overshadowed by the the very sad news from the UK about uh, the Queen passing away. I think that's been obviously uh, far and away the biggest, most profound news of the week. So um, yeah, then how, how have you guys sort of reacted to that? Yeah, it's quite. Um, I, I I don't know if it's for me quite a shock it's definitely sad i think um the queen's i think most people growing up in the uk or the commonwealth you know she's been there since you were since you were born she was always sort of around so i think in that regard it's it's quite sad she's she, she's gone um how about you luke how are you, how are you feeling about it yeah the the, the same mate the same you know yeah. you've um it, it's more that because none of us have met the queen and Queen Elizabeth, right? So you have this kind of feeling and this relationship with someone you've never met 
And I think when someone like that, whoever it is, it might not even be the Queen, you know, someone from TV or some a character even that you love in a, in a in fiction. And when they pass, you know, you, you you can't help but feel emotional about it. You might think of other family members about it. So yeah, it's understandably quite a emotional time at the moment. It's a huge thing, isn't it? I think it's something that everyone obviously inevitably knew was going to come along one day, but that I think we'd all come to hope was never going to happen. She sort of seems to just kept going on and on. And I think a lot of people hoped she would always just go on and on. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting being in the US as the news broke to see how it was, how it kind of played over there. Really, I, I'd have to say I've never seen a US, uh, sorry, a UK news story cut through that significantly in the US. Like. Uh, you know, normally when you when you look at the TV or you see the newspapers or you hear conversations out and about, it's always about politicians. It's Biden, it's Trump, it's elections, it's what's going on in America. Um, this was unbelievable. It was wall to wall coverage of the Queen oh, wow. and the royal family, twenty four seven, rolling on every channel. Mm. Uh, and it was pretty shocking that you walk around New York, there were. Um, posters outside of churches there were signs outside churches people were you know inviting people to come into memorial services about the queen all the flags were at half mast across the world trade center site across the city it was yeah you, you sort of get and then there's been pictures of it obviously around the world this week there's been uh, the queen's image has been put on sydney opera house has been put on the burj mm-hmm. khalifa when i was in new york they changed the top of the empire state building to be purple for a couple of nights um yeah, so it's it's just incredible, isn't it? You, you get a feel of the monumentalness of it um, when you see the global reaction. Yeah, I've only um, recently seen it, but the Sydney Opera House tribute looked mm. absolutely gorgeous, didn't it? There we go. I've dropped it early. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> early I've dropped it yeah. early, but it did. Yeah. No, honestly, it looked it looked fantastic, and that's really iconic because obviously. Um, Queen Elizabeth opens the Sydney Opera House, didn't she? And there's a lot of famous like photos from it. I think it's there's even like a part of an episode of The Crown where they go to Sydney and they're opening the Sydney Opera House. So it's kind of a big deal. And it goes to show just how much architecture and construction has happened in her reign. Right. Yeah. So we had an email come in saying, uh, you, B1M should do a tribute video. You should do every piece of infrastructure that was built during her 70 year reign. And I was like, that that would be lovely, but a testament to the Queen's long reign. Uh, that would be impossible because there's <laughs> just too much hmm. stuff been built worldwide. So, <laughs> so yeah, pretty crazy stuff. But yeah, I think um, it is sad news. It's an, it was inevitable news, but also sad news. I think she's someone that has, uh, well, yeah, whether you agree or not, has led by example and given an enormous amount of public service over an extended period of time. I think you'd probably be hard pressed to find somebody else who's given more in terms of public service at a higher level over a longer period of time anywhere in the world than the Queen. So, yeah, that was sad news. And obviously, it's a bit of a sad week here in the UK for anyone that's listening around the world. I think people in the Commonwealth countries probably get it. People in Australia, Canada probably get it. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big deal here in the UK. New Prime Minister as well. And as I found out in the news last night, we've got a new head of the Met Police. So um, we're in good hands over here. <laughs> <laughs> all in the same week <laughs> right yeah silver then, linings eh? silver yeah, exactly now then came Fred, my flight back yes go yeah. on liam i know i just i was just gonna say you've had a pretty interesting 48 hours um what's been happening mate <laughs> <laughs> right. 
long story short, it's taken me 21 hours to get back from New York, and I spent all 21 of those hours on the same aircraft. It was absolutely insane. So, 10.30 New York time was when this journey began. I boarded the 777 back from uh, JFK to Heathrow Airport, thinking I was in for a nice, snappy six-hour flight. It's always quite quick when you fly back across the Atlantic from America, because the wind's going the right way. Uh, plane pushes back from the gate. For anyone who doesn't realise or hasn't put two and two together, on Sunday, the day I flew back, the day I started flying back from America, uh, it was 9-11. So it wasn't a great day to be flying, especially out of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It had, I kind of put that to the back of my mind. Plane pushes back from the gate. Before we start taxiing to the runway, the crew say that because today is 9-11, we're going to do a minute silence for the members of the American Airlines crew who died 21 years ago, which was obviously fair, the right thing to do. I was a bit struck at the timing of it and doing it on an airplane that was about to take off from New York. Didn't really feel right for any nervous flyers out there. But uh, yeah, that was was interesting. Anyway, we off we went, carried on, and we took off. So we're flying away. uh, About four hours in... uh, Basically, the, the guy next to me, I was sat by the window seat. There was a guy next to me. There was a lady on the aisle. guy next to me kept getting up to go to the toilet. He went it several times. He went during taxi. He went during takeoff. He got told off a couple of times because he just kept getting up, even though the seatbelt sign was on. He just abruptly go to the toilet and push past people to get to the toilet. Um, he then disappeared for a period of time, about four hours into the flight. Uh, and then the crew started asking for anyone, if there's any doctors on board or anyone with any medical experience, could they please come? to the back of the plane and it sort of transpired that the person i was sitting next to was unwell uh, and was was needing medical attention down the back of the plane the crew then came to where i was sitting to our area and said this guy's not got any idea on him we need to see if he's got any medical records and identify him uh, and see what's in his bag and over the course of about 20 minutes half an hour they went through and identified all the bags in the overhead lockers and all the bags in the seats around the area and it transpired this guy did not have a bag or board with a bag or seemingly have any ID. Now, what? Yeah, that was a bit unnerving. The crew then started asking for anyone with uh, law enforcement backgrounds or military backgrounds to come to the back of the aircraft. There was, I have to say, throughout this, very little communications by American Airlines, uh, but pretty much everything you don't want to hear in an airplane that would trigger panic so it wasn't wasn't a good experience at that point the this passenger seemingly grabs the tannoy the overhead speaker and says something incoherent over the tannoy and gets it taken off him again which was unnerving the aircraft has then turned i've looked out the window and the plane is turning steeply and you look at the map, which is displayed at the front of the aircraft, front of the cabin on a big screen, and the plane has turned around mid-Atlantic and is flying directly back to New York. Uh, the crew then appear at the area where I'm sitting, where a few other people are sitting, and say, uh, look, this guy, unfortunately, has had a seizure. He's not very well. We need to bring him back and sit him down. But what he needs is a bit of space because he um, feels a bit disorientated. So they started clearing our area of the aircraft. At which point this guy, when I'm standing in the aisle, suddenly appears next to me with blood on his shirt. I don't know how he got blood on his shirt. He seemed to have a bleeding nose. Uh, And started just screaming at me to acknowledge him. 
talk to me, man, talk to me, man. There were lots of expletives thrown into that as well. Top of his voice. It was absolutely terrifying. The crew then very calmly led him back to the back of the aircraft. I didn't see him again. The captain then appeared and spoke to me and a few other people who were around our area and said, we're going to have to land immediately at a place called Goose Bay in Canada to get this guy the medical attention that he needs. I wasn't fully convinced by that story. I have no facts. I have no information or evidence to back that up with. I just did not feel very convinced by what we were being told by the by the cabin crew and the captain. Again, no point was any announcement made to the aircraft what was actually going on, what was actually happening, or the fact we were going to be landing. The plane then started to go down. Uh, we went from 38,000 feet to landing at Goose Bay, Canada, which is a very small kind of military-style airport in northern Canada. Uh, in about in this place, about 10 15 minutes, it was an extremely steep decline. Uh, only during that did the captain announce to the aircraft that we were going to be landing at Goose Bay and offloading the passenger. We landed, it was a short runway, and we were a big plane, so there was a very hard, very uh, kind of heavy braking, <laughs> you know, within, within the landing. People were mm-hmm. knocked to the front of their seats, it was, it was dramatic. Back door opened very quickly. Arctic air came blowing in. I know it's not in the Arctic. I was close to the Arctic, but it's pretty pretty cold. Uh, there were police. There were doctors. There were paramedics. The guy disappeared outside door. Didn't see him again. Um, it was it was terrifying. If I'm being honest, there was a point where this guy had shouted at me. The plane had turned around. I was back in my seat. The plane wasn't going down towards goose bay it was just flying directly back to new york and i've never had a panic attack in my life but i probably say that was when i had one i uh put an episode of friends on on the tv put my headphones on just tried to focus on an episode of friends series mm. seven of friends as well which is rubbish so i did, did enjoy that it's um, <laughs> you know of all the seasons i could have picked um yeah it was absolutely horrifying absolutely horrifying and then just just a, a time marathon began. So we spent two hours on the ground at freezing Goose Bay while they redid a flight plan back to New York. We couldn't carry on to London. We had to go back to New York for some reason. We did a two-hour flight back to New York. We then were told it was going to be half an hour on the ground in New York. That half an hour became four hours because the wrong food was lo- loaded. Food was out of date. They couldn't find anyone to come and clean the toilets. They changed the crew, but the crew weren't ready. It, it was insane. We'd been on the plane for, I think, 13 or 14 hours, and we were still at JFK. We weren't allowed off the plane for security reasons for some reason, which, again, didn't didn't help with the concerns people were feeling. Uh, we finally took off from so having boarded the plane at 10 a.m. New York time. At midnight New York time, we took off from New York and began a seven-hour flight to London. And I have to say, I've never been happier to get off an aeroplane when we got to london the aeroplane door was broken so we had to go out a different door because they couldn't get the door open <laughs> oh my god 21 hours with american airlines with terrible communication and just about everything you don't want to hear on an american airlines flight from new york on 9-11 unbelievable wow that is so crazy mate didn't in all the midst of this chaos didn't someone still tr- find the time to ask you for a selfie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this, is, this is a new thing in the last few weeks. Um, 
people spotting me on airplanes and then talking to me on airplanes and not where you can't really get away or can't sort of move them on. So I was, um, I was, I was, I was, asleep, I was asleep at one point. I was, I was at Goose Bay or something. I was, I was asleep. We were on the ground one of the time. We, we, on, while I was on this plane, we took off and landed three times. You know, um, a bit where I was on the ground, I got a tap on the shoulder, and there's some guy going, "Hey, hey, you look familiar. Are you doing a construction YouTube channel?" I'm like, <laughs> you've woke. I was asleep, and you've woken me up. Like, go away. <laughs> Maybe they're listening to this. Maybe they are. I have to say, I always love bumping into people. I bumped into people in cafes, restaurants, on the street in New York. It's really, really nice. I love people saying hello, saying how much the channel's impacted them. But as a general rule, if I'm asleep, can you not wake me up? (laughs) (laughs) Especially after you've just had a panic attack. (laughs) What a few days, mate. What a few days. That's, Mm. um, That's hard, man. That's really, really, really difficult, I'd imagine. So... Yeah. Well, at least you're back home, mate, you're with your family, and you're doing what you do best. That's recording a podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm very excited. We've got a big week for you this week, guys. We have got the world's tallest buildings are shorter than you think, a video from the archives on the B1M all about skyscraper height. We've also got a new super tall skyscraper being built in Texas. It's going to be the tallest building in that state. There's also a funny comment of the week and some of your emails. Let's go. So first up this week, guys, we've got the world's tallest buildings are shorter than you think. This is a video from the B1M archives. Came out a couple of years ago now. Over 2 million views on YouTube, I think because it taps into a pretty important topic. Now, we're actually covering this this week because we spoke a little bit about this last week when we were talking about skyscrapers. And it's come up a couple of times when when we've mentioned skyscrapers on the podcast before. And this is basically the video is all to do with the difference between a building's actual height and how much of that is has kind of been made up by spires or sticks or things getting put on top of skyscrapers to make them kind of artificially taller, if that makes sense. So it comes down to this term called vanity height. So we talk about vanity height in the video, and that's officially defined as the difference between a skyscraper's highest usable floor and its pinnacle. Now, controversy kind of first erupted around this back in 1998 when Chicago's Willis Tower, uh, which was then the world's tallest building, lost the title to Kuala Lumpur's Petronas Towers. Now, despite the roof lines of the Petronas Towers sitting 63 metres lower than the Willis Tower, the Petronas Towers had these decorative spires on top that got included in their official height. Now, the owners of the Willis Tower argued that if minor additions like that could be included then surely the substantial antenna on top of their structure should be counted and they should actually come back to being the tallest building in the world that led the council on tall buildings and urban habitats or ctbuh as they are fondly known in the industry for anyone that hasn't heard this this group before this is obviously a very major uh, organization they really do set the standard and the rules for kind of skyscrapers worldwide they put together a ruling on kind of what they consider to be a building's height And what they said is that anything that can be arbitrarily increased in height, like communication antennas, shouldn't count. But decorative spires can count as long as they formed part of a building's original design and as long as they don't exceed 50% of the structure's overall height. And there are other buildings where uh, the floors stop and then there is some kind of spire or structure on top of that. Now, there's a few examples of this around the world. 
Worth saying, uh, Dubai currently holds the title of the world's vainest skyline. So the city's 19 tallest skyscrapers owe, on average, around one-fifth of their overall height to unusable space. The Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest building, officially stands 828 metres tall, but 244 metres of that is made up of an unusable spire. Around 29% of the building exists purely to add height to it. Down the road, the Burj Al Arab Hotel, I think the world's most luxurious hotel, built out on an island, kind of sail-shaped building. That became the tallest hotel in the world when it first opened back in 1999, but it claimed the title by way of a 124-metre decorative spire that makes up a whopping 39% of its overall height. So this is a pretty, pretty controversial area. CTBUH, which as you all now know, is the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat, Uh, has kind of sought to ease tensions a bit by developing three separate categories. So there's height to architectural top, height to highest floor, and height to tip. Um, So yeah, different different ways of measuring there. What do you guys make of all this? Controversial, mate. Very controversial. (laughs) (laughs) I... My personal opinion is it should be measured to the highest usable floor, whether that be usable for office space or livable. That's my opinion. Oh, wow. So that would mean, am I right in thinking that that would mean from Liam's Liam's measurements, it would be uh, the Shanghai Tower would be the tallest building in the world now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes that makes a big difference, right? I'm I'm the other side of the spectrum, mate. I think it should be to the tip. Oh, you know, I thought I thought in that video right. when we're like, oh yeah, the Petronas Towers are now considered taller than the Sears Tower, the Willis Tower. I thought it was absurd. I thought it was absolutely absurd. The fact that they included some of the tip from the Petronas Tower, but not from the Willis or Sears Tower is mind-boggling. I don't get it. I think it's absolutely absurd. And as much as it gets on my nerves that people, like some buildings can just plonk an antenna on or a spire on or whatever, a tip, yeah, and go, oh, yeah, we're now the tallest building in the world, you know. We see you. We see you, Medeca, you know, over in uh, KL. That's what they're doing, right? They're now, they're now the second tallest building in the world. It's like a lot of that is just useless, you know. Well, maybe not useless because you can use them as for, for satellites or whatever, dishes mm. and antennas. But I think it's absurd that there, there seems to be these different measurements just to appease certain people. I think it's got to be to, to, to the tip, and that includes... To the tip. Even, even including radio tips. Radio tips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? It's part of the building, isn't it? But and and you, it, it, it but gets on my nerves. Don't get me wrong. Do so you believe it, you know, that it, they, they should but, um, that it shouldn't exceed fifty percent of the building's height? Height, or do you think they could just go do eighty percent of the building's height? Why not? Sure, sure, they can do that. Why not? You just have these massive bloody needles, aerials, like. But then, but then that would, um, you know, what would constitute as a building? Right, because then we're we're talking about actual buildings and skyscrapers here. We're, we're ignoring the fact that, well, we're ignoring structures like the CN Tower, right? The Eiffel Tower. We're not including those in there because well, they're obviously minute, not. CTBUH right. actually have a definition for that as well. So yeah, there is a difference between a structure and a tower and a skyscraper. So yeah. for a building to be 
there are tall buildings, there are high-rise buildings, but to become a skyscraper, a building has to exceed 150 meters in height. More than 50% of its uh, height has to be usable floor space, mm. and and it has to be freestanding. It's got any kind of guy ropes or supporting structures around or that kind of thing. So that instantly takes out things like the CN Tower, which is not habitable for much of its height. It's more of an observation mast, observation tower. Many other buildings around the world get knocked out. Eiffel Tower gets knocked out for that reason. Tokyo um, Skytree. Tokyo Skytree gets knocked out for that reason. Basically, CTBUH define what a skyscraper is. And then within that definition, there's this definition about uh, spires and where you measure it to. I get the building. I get I get the category of, right, this is a building that's like a mast, that's like a you know tower, whatever. But... I think when they start adding these subcategories of this is tallest building by floor, I mean, that's cool to have, but it's still not the tallest building in the world, isn't it? Imagine trying to claim you're the tallest building in the world just because you've got the tallest floor and then you know for a fact that like the Burj Khalifa is a third taller. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's insincere, isn't it? I don't know. What it does it, is create this space for lots of different buildings to say, oh, we're the highest building in X continent. By mm. highest floor or two tip or to architectural top and yeah, mm. but if you so if you I get why they do that, but for like um, you know generating revenue and things like that, I was reading something a couple of months ago that if you have the tallest building in your city or in your country, it, it generates a lot of tourism. People come to that, they view it, um, and things like that. What is the tallest skyscraper? I don't know. If, I don't know if you can actually define this or, or or if there's actual details on it how tall you can actually build with usable floors so the Burj Khalifa is what 828 meters uh 200 and something meters of that is the spot is the spire could you build a skyscraper a thousand meters tall and have people living a thousand meters up there is that is that realistic could you actually do that yeah, anything is possible engineering-wise. Yes, I mean it will. It, there's obviously it would take a lot of engineering, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of willpower. Yeah. But yeah, frankly, anything is uh, anything can be done, and anything is possible with engineering. I think there there would come a limit naturally with steel and concrete, but that is that limits quite a long way. Mm. Mm. I mean, guys, don't forget. You know, they're building a huge mirror that's been put on its side in the middle of the desert in Saudi Arabia, you know? So anything's possible. Yeah. yeah. Blade Runner. It's real life. It's real mm. life. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think it's, um, I get it. I really do get it because spires aren't always there to, to add to the height. You know, sometimes they are like, um, world trade center is at a specific height, isn't it? The new world trade center, the freedom tower is 17, 76 right or correct 70, 74, right again i'm not american so that date gets muddled in my head but you know close enough so there's that now there are other spies that they just look good they just look good like burj al arab you've just mentioned it hotel that's clearly nowhere near one of the tallest buildings in in the world it's not in that category at all the reason it has that spire is for aesthetic reasons, right? Balances out the shape of the hotel. It looks like a sail. And, and I think it looks it looks pretty good. It's not my favorite skyscraper. It's not my favorite design, but I, I see what they were going for. Looks pretty good. There are other towers. I think, I'm not sure if it's in Sydney or Melbourne, 
You showed this building in the video, but it's this kind of like triangular. Fred, do you know what building yeah. I'm talking about? You're smiling. Yeah. It's this like triangular building, and there's two poles just sticking out of it. It looks disgusting. It looks absolutely <laughs> horrid. I don't understand what, like what someone was on when they were designing that. It just it looks vile. What's it called? Let me try and find it's what in, it's called. Uh, it's in. It's in Sydney, and apologies to if you're the designer. Uh, apologies, <laughs> but um, I kind of kind of agree with Luke. Doesn't look doesn't look great. I actually think on this whole subject area, I think CTBUH have got it bang on and played a bit of a blinder. To be honest, I think it is an impossible thing to to measure and call and clearly define. But I think what they've done in terms of making it drawing a distinction between antennas and masts and arbitrary things you can just add on. And something that's a core part of the design, provided it's not more than fifty percent, is is a good way of doing it. Um, I know it causes some disruption. I know that when you look at things like Medeca PMB one one eight, that's a six hundred and seventy nine meter tall building. I should just say, I think last week we said I said six eight nine. I didn't mean that. I meant six seven nine. So apologies to anyone that's relying on this podcast for their for their coursework. Um, yeah, apologies for that. But uh, it's a six hundred and seventy nine meter tall building. Its roof line is only 519 meters. You know, it's way below the top of the spire, but the spire is kind of decoratively integrated and, and is part of the design. Same with One World Trade Center. You mentioned Luke, 541 meters tall, 1776 feet, the year of American independence, but the roof line is 417 meters. I think One World Trade Center does look a bit more like a radio mast on top, but they've when you look when you study that and you look at the fantastic video of when they lift it up onto the top of the building it is more of an architecturally designed thing it just happens to be an yeah. architectural thing that includes radio equipment and stuff so yeah it's all all pretty interesting you can see you can see where the controversy is and it's worth saying when we put this video out the comments on it the feedback on it and it's just kept going like whenever we have this debate whenever it comes up um through other stuff we publish on the channel or conversations like this People always refer back to that video. Deutsche Bank Place in Sydney. That is the name of that horrendous <laughs> tower. If you want to look at Deutsche Bank Place is absolutely vile. I can't stand that building. At, it's just vile. Um, and you, you look at it and you think, that's clearly just to boost. Oh, that one. You know it? Yeah. You yeah. know it? Yeah, because you live there. Of yeah. course you know it. <laughs> gotcha. You know it. Yeah. Oh, it's vile, man. It's it's what do you think of it, Liam, as a as a as a Sydney resident? It's like a knockoff of the cheese grater, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> How old is this as well? How old is this? Began in two thousand two, completed in two thousand five. Do you know what? I thought it was older. I thought it was older. Completed in two thousand and five. And it's a it's a Foster and Partners. Are you joking, oh, Fred? I feel like I've been lied to. Are you a hundred percent sure we're talking about the right building here? Because we are going quite heavy on this building. Deutsche I mean, Bank Place, mate. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fair enough. Have there you, you googled go. it? There is a bad Foster and Partners building. Didn't know it. There you go. I'm I'm upset, mate. I think I need to go reflect on. <laughs> Shout out to Norman Foster. No, I yeah. love Norman Foster. Usually, <laughs> usually, but we can't all have smash hits, can we? Even the Beatles had their songs that were a bit boring, you know. <laughs> That's a compliment, if anything. I love Norman. I agree. I love, right, I love well, Foster like, and Bart. It's like the B1M. Yeah. We we the, we can't always have smash hits on the channel, unfortunately. Sometimes 
Sometimes they just don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> you need those lows to have your highs, right? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, but how else do you sure. learn to create better content? There's a You learn a lot, right? You put out a bad video, like, oh, okay, we need to change that, that, and that. And it just so happens that in Sydney, you know, they chose to build and <laughs> construct a building <laughs> with a huge antenna on it that's like multiple antennas sticking out of it no but this this happens everywhere doesn't it even in um frankfurt a lots of people i remember back in the day when uh european skylines was kind of just starting to boom people would always be debating about uh, the tallest structure in frankfurt i forget the name is it commerce bank tower people were saying about the commerce bank tower that a lot of it is just tip it's antenna, so it shouldn't count. It shouldn't be considered X tall. And I do, I do, I do understand the complaint, but I think it just works. I think for a lot of buildings, an antenna just works beautifully. Could you imagine the Empire State Building without, like, the antenna, without that sort of central tip, or a lot of Art Deco skyscrapers without that tip? I suppose it does add a lot to the design. Yeah, some of them would be very boxy. Was it 22 Bishop's Gate in London? I find quite boxy. It's yeah. Like quite ge- like girthy. Yeah. yeah it's He's very a girthy. girthy boy. Yeah. He is Stocky. a girthy boy. It's like solid. Yeah. Some people call that, that the cupboard. That building. Oh, really? Yeah. They call it the cupboard. The yeah. cupboard. Because it does look like a huge cupboard. Um, <laughs> and yeah, maybe that could do with an antenna, right? But there's. there's um, it's a flight uh, path, it's, right? It's, it's a like flight path. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 10 yeah. meters above Fre- it or something. Fred, I, I mean, could you imagine the Empire State Building without sort of an antenna, without the tip? Absolutely not. It's it's iconic. <laughs> right. And actually, I have a Lego model of the Empire State Building. And occasionally, yes. when my children are playing with it, uh, the, leg, the Lego tip gets knocked off. So you get kind of a preview of what it might look like without the tip. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't no, work, doesn't. in my view. Um, it doesn't. To give you some more examples, like there's... there's I mean, the Shard in London has 72 habitable floors. I think the observatory level is on floor 72, which is, uh, from the top of my head, not looking at the internet, uh, eight, uh, 244 metres up, whereas the total height of the building's 310 metres up. But the shape of the Shard, you, know, that, that, you can't dispute that the top bit is integral and part of the building. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, same definitely. Same with One Canada Square, same with many other buildings around the world. Uh, yeah, it's just that architectural integration. Sometimes it's when it becomes a thinner wire. When it, when it works and it looks like it's there to add sort of value to it, right? To just like adds to the looks. But when I feel like it's just being like plonked on top, it's like, ah, oh, okay, that looks that, you know, you're kind of cheating here. Yeah, which is why I 100% agree with CTBUH's Categorization the way they've called this because they've kind of applied the rules in the right way. Mm. When you when you study it, you think, oh yeah, they've kind of got that right. But when you first look at it, you go, how's that the tallest building in the world when our fits a spire and actually you can go up more floors in Shanghai Tower than you can Medeca? It doesn't seem fair. I get it. Mm. Yeah, it's like when you go to the observation uh, deck on the Burj Khalifa, you'd you'd be forgiven for thinking, oh yeah, I'm on the tallest like floor in the world right now, you know. But you're not. It's that's on the Shanghai Tower again, I believe, mm. and so yeah, I can I can definitely see it's the, the the bit that got me again. I said it earlier was when they were comparing the Petronas Towers to the Willis Tower, and they went, "Yep, those spires count 
because they're decorative, they're part of the original design, whereas the Willis Tower ones, they don't. And yet I'd argue, I'd debate, that those antennas on the Willis Tower are just as iconic, if not more iconic, than the Patronus Tower. I mean, it's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know? Enough said. Oh, it's, it's, it's legendary. It's historical. You don't like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Liam? Uh, I can't remember it, mate. To be honest. I was going to say, the, the Willis Tower ones, it looks like, like bunny ears on your old TV. You know? <laughs> oh, no. You don't, you don't like it. You don't. <laughs> Seriously, it just reminds me of bunny ears, mate. I think it's gorgeous, the Willis Tower. You don't, you don't, you don't think so. <laughs> that maybe that might be the last time I use that in this podcast. By the way, so there we go. During my yeah. trip to New York, I went to Hudson Yards, uh, mm. that kind of soulless new district they've built over there, um, and they've got these kind of chamfered tops of skyscrapers. They've got all these like triangular kind of angled calves on 30,000 yards is very, very exciting. Mm. Uh, they actually look really good. I went up uh, 30,000 yards to visit the edge. I haven't, hadn't done the edge before. found it a bit touristy, but I had had a spare afternoon in New York and thought, oh, you know what, I'll, um, I'll give the edge a go. It's very, very cool. It's on the 101st, 102nd floors, and they have these, like, the glass wall is, like, cantilated. So this is, if you haven't seen it, it's like this triangular wedge that kind of sticks out the side of the building, quite a long way out of the building. It cantilevers out over nothing. It's got glass walls that are angled and cantilevered out over the city, so you can lay on them, as I did. I laid back on one. Got someone to take a picture of me laying back over New York. Um, they also have this glass floor. There's a glass floor, 102 stories above New York. You can look down on the road, oh. see the little yellow taxis going by. There were people jumping on it, people putting their babies on it for a picture. It was, uh, yeah, it was messed up, messed up. But good, good place to go. Shout out to the edge. But they, they, they got that idea from the Willis Tower, yeah, because they had the bit of glass box, didn't they, that stuck out. So I'm telling you, I'm starting to feel like the Willis Tower is like the DLR of the skyscraper world. You know, <laughs> everyone's like writing it off, and really, <laughs> it's one of the most important, yeah. Docklands Light Rail, we we love you forever. Yeah, I mean, as we said at the start of the story, like the Willis Tower has, in a way, triggered this debate. The Willis Tower versus the Petronas Towers is what triggered this debate and where it all came from. So yeah, you're right, right Luke. It's, uh, it's had a big impact in a way. It's amazing how many um, skyscrapers love an observatory. So when you go to New York, I mean, obviously New York's the most famous skyline in the world, but there's obviously Top of the Rock, Rockefeller Center, there's Empire State Building, there's the observatory down at One World Trade Center, there's the edge, there's the view mm. from one Vanderbilt now. It's amazing how they, they it's, it's a good little earner, basically. People people love a skyscraper view, and it's a good way of bringing people to a location, to a building. Uh, you know, Hudson Yards is very clever. They at The mm. entrance to the edge is tucked away in the middle of a shopping centre on, I think, the fourth floor. So you've got to go and walk past all the shops, all the restaurants, all the cafes to get there. And then the exit, they kick you out into a gift shop back into the same shopping centre again. So it's clever stuff. Um, and it's yeah, there, there are these observatories and viewing platforms around the world in different cities. Good little learner for the developers of these buildings. Rockefeller Center, mate. Top of the rock. That is incredible. And that's got like the most iconic view of New York, I think, from that building. It's so, Definitely. it's fantastic. I thought the, um, the top of the Empire Strike, um, Empire Strikes Back, Empire <laughs> State <laughs> Building, always on my mind. The Empire State Building was a bit underwhelming, actually. The whole experience is very rushed. You're like cattle sort of just being driven in and out of areas, whereas Top of the Rock, I thought, was superb. I've not been in a few years, so I'm looking forward to going back, mate. 
Yeah, I haven't been to the top of the Empire State since they redid it because they redid the whole observatory experience up there. So apparently, it's much oh. better now. But I found that way. Well, yeah, I found that on the same look. It was a bit. The the actual outdoor viewing platform was very. I found it quite narrow, and the floor is is angled away from the building to help the rainwater run off. But that gives you this feeling of you being kind of tipped over the edge the whole time, which was a bit unnerving. And also, it gives you a view of New York where you can't actually see the Empire State Building, which right, is right, kind yeah. of the most iconic bit of New York. So yeah, right. yeah, a bit weird. But um, same with the Shard. I think the Shard viewing platform was very cool. It's very high, highest one in London. But when you're on it, you can't see the Shard. That's kind of our best skyscraper controversial yeah. view there you go oh, oh. <laughs> not the walkie-talkie mate come on <laughs> close, you can see the close. walkie-talkie from the shard looks great <laughs> <laughs> i love the walkie-talkie as well it's brilliant isn't it it's terrible it doesn't make the top 10 in my view it's an awful awful building someone else was saying it to me in uh some some tiktoker they got over in edgy they were putting on a pedestal going oh look at this guy he's amazing he's a legend he, he's yeah going on and on about him he was like, oh, yeah, Walkie Talkie's best building in London. Oh, what a Sorry, man. Sorry, this, this random guy. <laughs> 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 the Walkie Talkie's the best skyscraper in London. Just a TikToker. I yeah, love just, that. That's just quality. a TikToker. <laughs> you should, we should collab with TikTokers. Maybe ask them what their favourite skyscraper in London is. <laughs> Let us know what you think of this issue, guys. We want your emails. Podcast at the B1M.com. Surely someone's got a view on this. I'm sure many of you have. Should it, where do you measure buildings to? Do you, do you go to the tip? Do you go to the architectural top? Do you go to the highest floor? Where should we draw the line? What's the world's real tallest building? Send in your emails. Also in the news this week, guys, we have got a new 312-meter super-tall skyscraper announced in Texas. Not just announced, construction work is underway. They are building the bad boy. It's going to be the tallest building in the state. So it's called the Waterline Development. 74-story new tower going up as part of that. Looks pretty dramatic, pretty gorgeous. Uh, rising in Austin. It's going to contain a hotel. It's going to be basically a retail podium, as always, because there's always a retail podium with shops and parks and greenery and people having a great time. People from every different diversity in the renders having a really good time. Uh, then there's going to be a hotel directly above that on the floors above that there's office space in the middle and then right at the top there's some high-end apartments as you might expect pretty dramatic building pretty good looking building designed by cone pedersen fox in austin a place which is kind of uh, up and coming right now what do you guys make of this mm. i love uh, it mate. you you love it go on i, Lynn. I love it mate yeah Why'd i think you love so. it I lo- it looks really good. Uh, I don't know. I, I love unique. Mate, my favorite building skyscraper is the walkie-talkie. It's quite a unique-looking <laughs> building, right? That's where it's, we're starting from. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's that's what we've got. Um, I think this is really unique. It, it's it's cool. And when you look through the renders, I mean, obviously they've got to pull this off, but it looks fantastic with like the timber roof. The th- the second to last render, you've got the timber paneling on top with a big concrete sort of beams holding it up with the plants mm. it's very nice what do you think luke right i'm I, I promise you i'm not just saying this so that you don't think that i i think everything is gorgeous <laughs> but no i'm i'm actually not a fan i don't think it's very good i think it's really mediocre um mediocre. i think it's something that we've seen before yeah i've seen that pattern a million times before people have been doing that on minecraft for the last few 
like 10 years, I think. I think the podium is very American, very generic yeah. at the moment. Seems like every new skyscraper in the States or outside of New York and maybe Chicago has one of these podiums and they stick a skyscraper on it, which is very 60s, very 1960s, sort of going back to that trend. And um, I don't think it works, mate, where you've got this kind of split level um, d- design. It reminds me of um, there are these two skyscrapers in Moscow, City of Capitals. It's like they've got one of those and just taken the two, the, the, like the top bit and stretched it out and put this cladding on there, this like patterned cladding on there. And uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like it works that well for me. I think it's quite out there for a city in America that isn't LA, Chicago or New York. I'll give it that. And I think that's maybe a good thing. But for me personally, nah, I, I look at this and I go, there's too much going on. It, it doesn't feel cohesive and it doesn't seem to respect the the architecture around it. I know Golf where you're coming from. from. No, 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 yeah, I know, I know where you're coming from. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting, dramatic and quite a good looking skyscraper for Austin, for kind of the US outside of New York. Right. And right. yeah, it it does have that there's an Americanness to it. There's a, there's a safeness to it that you don't get in London with the walkie-talkie and crazy buildings like that. Um <laughs> interesting the the podium design is is a bit of a running theme globally at the minute and that's partly around developers thinking about how they interact with the cityscapes. They want to create like new public realm, new parks, new shopping amenities. They want obviously they get they get rental income, they get lease income from uh, rest, restaurants, cafes, retail providers, shops that are all down there, all renting their space, if they can make it attractive and a, a good place to go. Mm. They can also help with selling apartments, with leasing office space, if that office space happens to sit on top of a shopping centre with somewhere to go for lunch or go for meetings or a gym or a tube station or a metro station. You know, So there's part of it is about part of it is developers responsibility making sure that they are creating projects that integrate and and lift and benefit our cities but the other side of it is they're also they have a vested interest in making their destination as attractive as possible for people so that is why the the skyscraper retail podium or mixed use podium has become a widespread thing worldwide but that's literally what they did in the 60s that's the exact same thing they did in the 60s and then they moved away from it and they're going back to it. I'm not saying that worked or it didn't work. I think it works for some buildings, doesn't work for other buildings, but it, it's a trend. And uh, I don't think any skyscraper that kind of rocks the world or rocks the architecture world necessarily follows trends, right? This seems like, you know, you did that video a few years ago about the world's biggest compromise, right? with the World Trade Center in New York. Mm-hmm. This feels like a committee designed it to me. I'm probably wrong, and I don't <laughs> I, I, I don't want to disrespect all the architecture studios and firms out there in this in this episode, which apparently I'm doing. But you know, I'm 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 coming at this from someone who, you know, um has a has has a love for architecture as just a normal person as an everyday person and that's what architecture is for ultimately and i think sometimes people lose sight of that that it is for everyday people and um yeah for me i don't know i'm i'm not sold on this mate 
No, there you go. Interesting. Yeah. So, guys, let us know your thoughts. Podcast at B1M.com. What do you think of the new skyscraper announced in Austin, Texas? Going to be the tallest building in the state, whether you like it or not. Construction's underway right now. Uh, do you love it? Hate it? On the scale of one to gorgeous, what do you think? Send your emails in. <laughs> Okay, we are going over to funny comment of the week. What you got for us, Liam? This is from France P4 on YouTube. So this is covering uh, this week's video that we're talking about. This is like my five foot two self claiming I'm a giant because I'm holding a broomstick over my head. Just a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I see where they're coming from. France P4, it's a bit more like um someone coming next to me who's got like shoulders that are slightly above me and saying oh i'm taller than you because my shoulders are above me it's like no mate it's to the top you might have a big noggin <laughs> hang on hang on this guy this guy has come next to you i'm not really following this the guy that's come next to you with shoulders that are taller than you so but his head and yeah. his neck are lower than your yeah. head yes <laughs> What is that? I know someone who's like that. I know someone who's like that. Do yeah. you? And yeah, my yeah, I've got a mate called Ike who's got really he's got really long limbs. Yeah. yeah. So his his legs are like really long. And so his his torso comes slightly above mine, but we're the same height. Because I've got a fat head. So <laughs> how small is Ike's head? <laughs> Well, I'm going to take that as a compliment because you must think that I've got a normal size head. <laughs> yeah, no, his his head's normal, maybe just slightly below normal. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't thought about it. Slightly man. below normal. What the, What are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. What's a normal so head? <laughs> Always gets a bit random at the end of the podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've got one from. Uh, I've got another one as well, which which is also also um, agreeable for me. It's from Caleb TSE. The top should be measured by the place where the designer is willing to sleep for a night. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Could oh. not agree more. I was definitely grateful for engineering as I leaned back on that glass at the edge in New York. It's pretty. It's a pretty heart stopping place to visit and. Uh, mm. Yeah, when you do that, you, when you do that, you're putting basically all your trust in the engineers who put that glass in because it's yeah, pretty pretty scary feat. As we established, I always put my trust in American Airlines this week, um, which was fun. <laughs> so I'm I'm very glad now to just be at home, <laughs> putting my trust in nobody but the person who built my house. Okay, sorry, can I can I share a little story on this? So when me and Fred, when I first started working at the B1M, we went to Berlin um to do some filming and um fred was saying oh my wife doesn't really like me traveling and i was like oh what like being away from the kids and and fred was fred said no 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 of like you know um just random attacks that could happen you know when you're traveling i kind of you know i was just like oh yeah that's a bit it's a bit odd um and then fast forward what five years later it's something like that's happened <laughs> yeah, I, I should say that. this was this was back in the context of when there were um a few different terror attacks happening in London around 2017, 2018, 2019. So she was uh slightly concerned about it. But yeah, as I said as I said to you guys earlier, when I was messaging my I was trying to message my family, they turned the Wi-Fi off on the airplane, which again didn't help with the my perception of what might be going on. Um but yeah, I tried to message them and when we got to Goose Bay, I I 
managed to get on the Blimin 3G up in northern Canada, wherever it is, 2G, uh, and get some messages out to them, but tried to do it in a way that was... You know, I didn't I didn't actually tell anyone the full story until I got safely home. I didn't want them to worry. So. Mm, mm, mm. That's wise, mate. That's wise. But So would you recommend American Airlines or... No, you can avoid them. Going no, I wouldn't. I think even before uh, the incident that occurred, the the food was terrible, the service was terrible, the uh, quality of the aircraft was terrible. So, hello, American Airlines. Um, well, maybe Ryanair can take over from it once they <laughs> once they buy a few bigger planes and they set up that hub in the new Singapore terminal. As per last week, you know, mate, Ryanair will fly you to Goose Bay and go, "Welcome to New York." Hey. <laughs> Get an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Another great. another funny comment of the week that Liam did mention was on my uh, Instagram post from New York where someone's gone, ah, that makes sense. Guns are allowed in America. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, the cheesiness. Wow. I clicked like, clicked like on that one, didn't I? Thanks. Hey, thank you. Whoever, whoever you are, thank you for lifting my, my kind of personal self-esteem. Much appreciated. Do people ever have a squeeze of your arms when you're out and about, mate? Like they, have, they haven't M- done. They haven't done, Luke. Oh. But as you said it, a revenue stream popped into my head. Uh, yeah, just to just to put that on the table. How much would you pay to squeeze my arms, guys? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast at the This could be this could be where the millions come from. Uh, Maybe yeah. Bluebeam could sponsor it. You know, <laughs> you could have blue on one arm. Beam on the other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are many spots. McDonald's could sponsor it, you know. Yeah, fillet of fish. Yeah. You want arms like this? Right. Eat McDonald's. <laughs> awesome, right, guys? Let us know if you what you think of this episode. What do you think of Vanity Heights? Have you flown American Airlines? Where should skyscrapers be measured to? Would you like a squeeze in my arms? <laughs> Messages podcast at the B1M.com. 